This is a message from the Japanese Ministry of Health. If you are immune compromised or in any way in a high risk category, you must as soon as practically possible get a blood test and find out your blood type in case of urgent hospitalization due to COVID-19. This critical information will be passed on to hospital staff so they can know what kind of personality you are. Act now, especially if you suspect that you are type O, as you are easygoing and unpunctual by nature. Welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. We have a guest joining us tonight. It's Derek Westman, an 18-year resident of Japan who runs an interpretation, translation, and consulting company, is a former aide for the Japan House of Representatives, a volunteer firefighter, and he won the coveted second prize for the annual Asakawa Riverboat Hamburger Vendor Awards in 2007. Yes, but we are obliged to point out, of course, that 2007 was the year in which 80% of the famous hamburger boats were destroyed in a rash of suspicious fires, none of which the local fire brigade helped to extinguish. Nice to have you joining us, Derek. Yeah, nice to be on, guys. Great. So on today's show, uh, the US approves a $1,200 per person stimulus package, and Japan announces that they'll be sending each household two surgical masks. To be fair to Japan though, in the US right now, $1,200 will only buy you one and a half surgical masks. Also, Ali's got your river cruise recommendation. Yeah, Ali? Yes, this recommendation is a Kobe-based cruise who is following this new government safety guideline and economizing by issuing each family boarding the cruise two life jackets per cruise, irrespective of whether there are more than two family members boarding the cruise and ignoring whether the family needs the life jackets in the first place. First come, first served. Plus, you may know him as Mr. Miyagi, but we know him as the leading Japanese-American advocate of Japanese river cruises. We reached out to Pat Morita to get his top three cruise courses. Turns out he's been dead for 15 years. More on that later, but first, Soap Talk. Bobby Judah, how's your week been? Uh, I'm doing okay. Work is picking up again. I, I got a new job. I am writing a column on child rearing. Oh, cool. Are you allowed yeah. to do that while immune compromised? Uh, I can do it from home. Uh, and just like this podcast, I mean, everything is done online. So uh, for the listeners who don't know, we are very responsible. We have always done this podcast uh, sitting at least six feet away from each other. Fully right? remotely. Derek, where, where are you in Japan? So I'm in Hachioji City, uh, which is on the west side of Tokyo. Most people don't know if it's in Yamanashi or some other rural place, but that's where I'm it's at. It's still technically Tokyo, or it's exactly it's Tokyo's Tibet is I think what most people around here say. You were tweeting in Japanese about the incredibly unreasonable proposition uh, that foreigners who live in Japan should be included in the Japan stimulus package, which they're debating right now, right? Right. And, you know, it's weird because I'm not usually, I don't usually tweet a lot in Japanese. And also, um, I don't tend to like, I don't know, uh, complain about Japan that much. I tend to like really like Japan and just what's going on here. So um, wrong podcast. Wrong, sorry. We're going to have to let you go. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I actually came on to just sabotage you guys. <laughs> And you, you, this was in response to a, to a lawmaker who basically said we shouldn't use the my number system uh, in order to, to hand out the stimulus package because some foreigners have a my number. And exactly. she didn't think about the fact that these foreigners might have also paid more into the tax system than someone who's Japanese born. 
uh, and might also be employing Japanese people or might, uh, or irrespective of who they're employing, might need a stimulus so their business doesn't go under. Right. And she also forgot that she was born in the United States. Which was a funny part of the whole story. Which is weird because, like, there are absolutely no xenophobes in the United States, are there? Right, exactly. I mean, you know, she was born in that that open bastion of liberalism. (laughs) So, like, the the funny thing is, um, yeah, she suggested that that was a problem. And so I I just kind of tweeted about it. And I I don't like to tweet, like, seriously very much myself, uh, especially, like, politically. And so it was weird to... uh, I'm still getting like all of these uh, retweets and stuff from people that I probably wouldn't usually agree with in different other areas. Yeah. What kind of pushback have you, like what have been the responses? Oh, the biggest pushback has just been, um, oh, well, you know, there are foreigners who uh, fraudulently receive welfare benefits. And I'm like, yeah, like how Japanese people do too. Yeah. Number one, Japan is super famous for all the welfare benefits that they give out, right? But, you know, the Seikatsuhogo is is a thing. It's a ridiculous uh, argument. I, my, my whole thing was just, hey, uh, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what nationality. Crappy people are crappy people and, you know, hardworking yeah. people are hardworking people, etc. Well, I think any of the xenophobic arguments that you see against... Um, against, you know, foreigners having a say in Japanese politics or against, you know, what rights we can afford to foreigners or how long we should allow foreigners to stay when they're here as uh, mm-hmm. as laborers or in like the nursing industry or the healthcare industry. Yeah. It's, they want to arrange it so that it's in the best interests of Japan and it's what's in what's, it's what's best for Japan and they don't really give that much thought to the foreigners' rights. And it's like, yeah, but those foreigners are paying into your social security. Those foreigners are paying their taxes. Those foreigners are supporting, in a lot of ways, Japanese people or Japanese families. Yeah, It's this transactional notion of citizenship, isn't it? That well, if, if you're buying into the system, if you're doing things our way, then we will afford you something in return. Exactly the same uh, thing happened in the UK where nurses who are who uh, have a visa to, to work in the UK, if their visa is due to expire in October, their visa is automatically going to be extended so they can continue to risk their lives on the front line. And this is seen in my view, wrongly, as a progressive thing that the government's doing. Yeah, no questions asked. We extend your <laughs> yeah. visa. Or actually, it just it plays into this transactional no- notion of... As long as we need you. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, you know, and thankfully, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Bobby's earned his place. Japan uh, needs white people on TV to tell them what to do. Yes. Exactly. And one thing that I guess we should say is most people are not taking this idea seriously. That Her, her view does not represent the mainstream view. Exactly. It? Yeah, she's... Yeah. Yeah, and she... The funny thing is, um, I was a, an aide in the diet, and I was an aide to a person who's very conservative LDP politician. And <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Bobby gave me a look as if to go, I think Ollie needs some aid with his diet. But he didn't make that joke. He just gave me the look. You know, it's like even those guys, even the, the most conservative old farts are not even you know, trying to suggest that. So it is yeah. just a very small percentage of people. It just it just pissed me off at the moment. But but there there yeah. is a, a, a general sense, I think, that things which countries have always wanted to do, or, or rather some lawmakers have wanted to do, close borders, uh, you know, give out conditional handouts to citizens, uh, you know, track their data or, or whatever it is, having some threat, especially when the threat is existential, uh, is, is a convenient way to do so. And I do get the sense in Japan that there are some people who are jumping on the hour oh, foreigners brought this right. virus in bandwagon. And this maybe just provides a way for them to articulate what they were already thinking, 
and this just provides a means yeah. for them to do so. I saw a statistic that some Japanese person had retweeted on on Twitter that it was uh, the number of new cases of corona infections per day, and they had broken them down by which ones were Japanese nationality and which ones were sore igai no kokuseki, of a nationality that's not Japanese. And the number of non-Japanese was always higher. And so it's each day it's growing, but there's always a higher number of non-Japanese people on that day who came down with it. And underneath this statistic, they had written, what country even is this? And I thought that was like hilarious for, for not only the xenophobia, but also for like the implied message, which is like, there should be more Japanese people than foreigners getting infected. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting our asses kicked here. Come on. The dumbest re responses I'm getting to that one tweet are actually uh, people who are like, yeah, yeah, no, we like you. It's just these other foreigners that are causing all the trouble. And they're You're obviously talking the about ones. like people from Asia. And it's like, yeah. yep, there goes the whole white guys in Japan we're fine with. That, that whole yeah. thing I really, really dislike. Uh, let's go ahead and look at our mail this week. We've got a mail from a Brian Brian. This is uh, Brian in Fukuoka. And he writes... An actual Brian. An actual Brian. One of the best podcasts as of yet, guys. And it had nothing to do with Bobby's potentially life-threatening diagnosis. Um, Brian, thank you for the message. Uh, I find it pathetic. Uh, this is just the yeah. worst kind of sycophancy. We don't do this for your praise. Yeah, no, it's this kind of annoying message that made us have to cancel our 14th podcast. Uh, Brian, Brian, uh, fuck you, Brian. We are going to say thank you for the message only because that message was accompanied by money. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Saying, if, you, if you want to give us sycophantic praise, for goodness sake, do so with enough money that barely covers our hosting fees. Thank you for that, Brian. We appreciate it. We do, Jane, we do actually appreciate that. And we actually had uh, two other people donate. Uh, one was Anonymous, an anonymous coffee. Uh, I'm still going to drink it. I'm desperate. And uh, <laughs> the other was um bobby judo's biggest fan so much of a fan uh they spelt your name booby judo nice uh it was our most listened to ever uh, episode i think maybe not not most yeah. ever but most in like the first week uh and i think it was because i uh potentially had the coronavirus um so in that spirit ollie you're horribly sick this week right yeah i have had the coronavirus <laughs> I undiagnosed because unlike you i was already out of work so didn't need uh a confirmation to go back to work uh, but uh yeah i've been diagnosed uh, over the phone uh, i i didn't get the test but i had all the symptoms and the two symptoms well so firstly i sent i sent the symptoms to my uh my brother and my dad my brother's a vet and my dad's a doctor uh, and i kind of straddle between human and animal in my lifestyle so i thought i'd, I'd get both opinions and uh, I said, well, firstly, I've never had this before. I've had like terrible aches in my legs. I've just got this like crazy fatigue. Uh, and um, my brother just responded with that could just be your BMI. I was like, okay, fine. Uh, I said, does that mean that the, that the, that the virus has, has made me fat? Uh, and he goes, no, that would be the brownies. Because, um, of course, I tried, to create a, <laughs> I, I tried to create a vaccine for the coronavirus by using flour, butter, sugar, eggs, and cocoa powder. But it, I just made, it just ended up being brownies. But anyway, I, it's a horrible thing to have. I've, not, I've genuinely not had symptoms like it. Generally, you've had, you've had a 
uh, low grade fever for like four days and you're having trouble yeah. breathing, right? Yeah, the the scariest one is it's like someone's giving a very mean hug. You can't breathe, like your chest doesn't open up properly. And I had one night where I kind of woke up gasping for breath, like I didn't breathe enough during my sleep and that woke me up. And that was a bit scary. Uh, but, you know, having the coronavirus and dying that way, I think is a more dignified way of committing suicide. So I wasn't that bothered. But I am feeling better. And uh, I'm uh, glad to say that we can put a clickbait title on this. Has Ollie died from the coronavirus? Well, we're, we're glad that you're still here. Um, if not, it was just going to be me and Derek. Nobody That's would right. be around to talk over Let's us. Let's go to the news. Huge week in the news. Main news is... Uh, the Japanese entertainment industry has me as part of it. I'm still alive. But what it doesn't have is Shimura Ken. Yeah, I think they're not so much concerned with having you. I think they're mostly reeling from the loss of Shimura Ken, especially because he passed away from uh, the coronavirus, um, which has been one of the things that's made them take it the most seriously so far. Uh, but on top of that, he was also just, it's kind of impossible to overstate how big of a presence he was in in the Japanese entertainment world, in the comedy world. And I think, um, Derek, I know you saw this on Twitter when you tweeted out that he had passed and you got some responses almost immediately about how his comedy was problematic. Right. I mean, I think in recent years, and that's the only time I've really spent time watching TV, uh, is since I've had kids in Japan and so the TV's just kind of on. And he's just yeah. had this cute show where he has this monkey in uh, in overalls hanging around with him. So I, I just kind of tweeted, you know, oh, they lost a big icon. And, and then people were saying, yeah, I mean, but back in the 80s, like his shows were all about like big breasted women in bikinis, you know, kind of being objectified and stuff like that. I was kind of surprised well, I didn't know that. I think a lot of people tend to think that the Japanese comedy is still very much based on like gag humor and slapstick and uh, like below the belt humor and kind of. Uh, sexual humor and things like that. And mm -hmm. he really was kind of iconic in terms of doing those kinds of things. One of the things that he's most famous for is the Henna Oji-san character, which was just this weird Oji-san who would wander around and be in weird situations and people yeah. would call him a Henna Oji-san. Which means like a creepy old guy, right? Yeah. And he had a song and a dance that went with it, and that was his catchphrase. Looking back on a lot of his stuff, it's really interesting because a lot of it involves, you know, these sketches where the humor is not from something that's happening in the sketch. The humor is that the audience is watching a sketch that actors are playing. And in whatever the situation is, his character is like feeling up a woman. And it's not that it's a humorous situation. It's that they know that the actress is struggling to try not to go cow or like to she, she's struggling not to break character and endure sexual harassment. Well, I, I think so. I think you're right. I, I mean, we, we ought to explain this isn't his main canon of work. I think he's like his legacy is probably going to be uh, basically inventing the America's home videos format. He was the one that, that presented that show where people would send in funny clips. Right. Like he, he basically created YouTube uh, if, if you want to aggrandize him like i, mean, I think yeah, he's famous yeah. he's gonna be famous for way way more than that but you're right uh that that kind of benny hill-esque smutty stuff i think the reason why it's obviously it's very easy to say it's problematic now because now we wouldn't allow that on tv and i do think it's appropriate to judge him by the standards of the past right because it, it, maybe he was more progressive than the average uh comedian of of his time plus if you do watch these sketches 
it's obvious that he's acknowledging that what he's doing is weird. He's not seeking to normalize the behavior, right? He's seeking to... Yeah, uh, to, there's to, the to... argument to be made that that presenting it as a joke does normalize it. Um, but but I think saying his comedy is problematic, which I think a lot of it was. I don't think all of it was. I think some of the tropes that he used were. But that doesn't diminish his importance as a figure in Japanese culture and in Japanese comedy. Exactly. I think it's it, what I was trying to convey in my tweet, which was just, you know how Tom Hanks just got over the coronavirus? Well, yeah. this really big icon didn't. So you can imagine how Japan feels was kind of my logic. And then people yeah. are like, oh, well, it shouldn't be Tom Hanks. It should be Robin Williams, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he was just huge to Japan. That's the thing that matters. The reason why I think f foreigners could understand his humor is that he was as a physical comedian, also quite, dare I say, understated. So that is to say he did these kind of these big wacky things, but a lot of his humor came from creating little moments of absurdity. And the first thing that I saw of him was the sketch. It's a super famous sketch where he's an English teacher uh, correcting yeah. uh, native English speakers on their English pronunciation, getting it wrong. And, and what's funny is that joke he does the same joke about eight times with different people, but each time he brings yeah. just a very small little nuance in, in the, in the acting. And, and I think that's what, what set him apart. So I think that comparison to Robin Williams is correct, that he probably was first and foremost, a physical, like a, a physical performance. The, the other thing that he's actually really similar to Robin Williams. If you go back to the Benny Hill, the smuttiness, the now politically incorrectness, if you watch like clips of Robin Williams interview, being interviewed by Johnny Carson or somebody, like his whole shtick was like making fun of gay people's voices and like, yeah. you know, like people's accents and stuff. Shimura Ken's death has uh, kind of gotten the, the public really focused on the corona uh, cases and the seriousness of them. Um, they're doing a lot more testing and they found out that the cases are skyrocketing. I mean, they're, they're, they continue to be on the rise. I think Tokyo logged the largest number of increase in cases in one day every day for like the past three, four days. And uh, we're seeing a lot of clusters pop up. Ali, you found some news about a cluster in Osaka? I found a fascinating cluster in Osaka, which was linked to a hostess club. And what really attracted me to this story was um, that there's so much shame in Japan about getting ill. And the headline of the news article said, uh, a cluster of cases, I think 18-ish cases, were found linked to a certain night spot. But the headline was, but the owner of the night spot refuses to publish their name. That is to say, we're reporting on this story, but we're not going to tell you what the what the night spot was. And th this is like, uh, th there was somebody very high profile who, I think it was a sports player who got the disease and issued an apology for, for having gotten the disease as if it was kind of his failing yeah, of, yeah. Um, uh, his pers personal failing. Uh, soccer players. Yeah, there have been uh, soccer cases. Yeah. There have been cases in uh, Japanese baseball. I think a baseball player tested positive in the last couple of days. Um, but yeah. Well, if you go to a hostess club and the worst thing that happens is you come out with a mild flu, <laughs> and I think you've done quite well. They did, uh, they did a piece on Asades about how uh, it was affecting the industry in Fukuoka, the red light district and uh, the nightclub industry and the hostess club industry. And uh, customers were down. Not only were customers down, but like in Nakasu, there are all these uh fruit shops nearby that sell the super expensive fruit that their business is yeah. customers buying fruit for the hostesses so there are all of these related yeah. businesses that because the hostess club business is suffering their business is suffering as well but they went in and they were talking about you know what they were doing and they 
all the girls are wearing masks and, you know, they've got the hostess club booths set up so that they're socially distanced hostess club booths. And they had uh, <laughs> alcohol uh, sanitizing spray in these little like perfume bottles, fancy perfume bottles that this hostesses would spray for you to sanitize your hands every 10 minutes. This seems like a massive business opportunity for soap plans to actually live up to the name and repurpose. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, the other thing is now that you can put a mask on any of the help, I mean, quality can you know just plummet without any <laughs> loss of customer satisfaction. I've got this article that, that you sent me, Ali. It says, uh, yeah, cluster of 18, 10, 10 of them were uh, show pub and nightclub employees or customers. And uh, some of the other people in this cluster were people who dined with these customers, uh, looks like some company employees, and the infection started spreading from there. And I was wondering, you know, if there could be anything more embarrassing than being a salary man and getting the Shin Gata coronavirus at a hostess club. And I found something more embarrassing. It's um, being an ALT and getting it at the <laughs> hub. <laughs> I saw that. Oh, my God. Both equally disgusting places that you'd this be embarrassed in, to be found at. in Sendai, in Miyagi, in Miyagi-ken. For listeners that aren't aware, we're talking about hostess clubs. And hostess club is a euphemism for a club where naughty things happen. Not, you... not, not even. Hostess clubs, not, not even. Hostess clubs are like you pay a woman to engage with you socially and maybe like touch your knee and flirt and laugh at your jokes. But, but but isn't the hub exactly that in reverse? That it's where people that, that want to interact with with foreigners yeah. in a, in a way that's akin to a zoo. Uh, they know that's where they can they can go, and they're all kind of in one place just in case it kicks off. And the hub is kind of known as for, for British listeners, it's got the same same vibe as a Weatherspoons. Uh, I'm trying to think of for for a yeah, it's like a like a TGI Friday's bar, like the Chili's bar. It's maybe like, an Applebee's, right. yeah, Applebee's uh, bar, yeah. yeah. It's like like where the sad people go to drink. So there's a cluster of of cases that were reported to a hub, and uh, regrettably, this has led to more xenophobia. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, foreigners. Foreigners are bringing it in. Foreigners are spreading it. Um, but don't worry, Japan's on top of it. They announced this today, and it was not an April Fool's joke. The Abe administration, one thing that they're going to do is they're going to send every household in Japan two masks. Oh, Derek, what are you going to do with your masks? <laughs> oh, yeah. What am I not going to do with my masks? That's what uh, you should wait, be wait. asking. I, I mean, can, I, can I guess protect yourself from coronavirus with them? That's one thing that you'll probably not be doing with them. Have we found out what kind of masks these are? Are these going to be like LDP branded or have the Japanese national flag on them or something? Only this, just worse than that. They're going to be, apparently they're going to be cotton or some kind of fabric. And then everybody was linking the WHO saying like, never use a fabric mask. <laughs> One thing that I saw in the article was that uh, the Japanese government was promoting the use of these like cloth masks because you can wash them and reuse them. Another one of the TV shows that I work for, they did a segment on how to properly wash and sanitize and reuse a homemade cloth mask. And you Thank have goodness to, you said mask and not hostess. Right. right. You, you have to soak it in soap for like, I think they said soak it in soap for two hours and then soak it in bleach for two hours and then rinse it out. And then it's okay to wash it in with your laundry. And you have to do that between every daily use. So that's, that's like with a Japanese wow. laundry machine and drying, that's like, six to eight hours of cleaning to reuse a mask daily. 
something to do in it. Yeah. Derek, uh, you've guess. been you, you've been following yeah. the the legal constraints of of the Japanese government. What can they actually do to uh, halt the spread of this virus? Right. Everybody was you know, uh, really confused. Why isn't the Japanese government uh, doing a lockdown? <clears throat> like we see all these other countries doing. So I read the whole law that kind of governs the uh, special measures that can be taken when there's a new kind of influenza, as the law says, and then they added COVID-19 to that. But basically, they can they can order businesses to do things after they've requested once, and the business says no. And then there's also an emergency, then they can order a business and really force it. But with individuals, they just can't. So... Ultimately, it's a really, really strong request that you can flout and that, never that's get because the Japanese for. Constitution, as written by the Americans, prizes freedom of assembly and uh, there, there are certain inalienable rights which, which mm-hmm. can't be limited by the by, by regular legislation. <laughs> oh yes, I've got a law degree. Well, go so the whole, you know, and, and even to be able to make official requests from a governor to their citizens of their prefecture to you know stay in. Or whatever, or take whatever action the government governor wants them to take. They have to already have an emergency declaration in place uh, to issue that official, you know, hey, stay home thing. And then it, it really isn't. There's no compul- compu- compelling, uh, you know, by government of people. And 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 the funny thing in this whole this whole thing is, you know, everybody, uh, not everybody, but so many people really dislike Abe and his his government and they've got plenty of <laughs> not me i got to. two free masks but until yeah right but now you've got two free masks so you know everybody's <laughs> gonna stop now uh with the criticism but i mean it's like the funny thing is until this virus appeared everything abe did was the road to fascism the road to authoritarianism in japan the end of democracy and now people who have to this point hated abe are like why doesn't abe enact a police state in our you know in our cities <laughs> and it's the, it's the funniest <laughs> thing to watch yeah yeah so yeah i actually saw that they were they were moving towards um they, they were trying to set something up they were trying to change the law in some way so that they would have the legal ability to to enforce a lockdown and in my mind i was like okay one one more step on the road to you know re becoming a nationalist borderline fascist government um but but you're saying the japanese response that you've seen is like they want those measures enacted um no well, who i'm referring to is mostly you know like the the gaijin commentariat maybe um you know what's with this uh-huh. government why don't they do this and these are the same people who you know up to this point have been really critical of of government overreach and so it's generally that but in japan there's always going to be a, a super polarized set of people who are like lock everything down give the government the keys to the kingdom and then there's always people who you know abe picks up a pair of chopsticks he's trying to oppress me let's do it bit by bit let's start by just closing the hubs locking them and throwing away the key (laughs) i was gonna say i've noticed a similar thing in america where uh all along the way all the trump supporters have been have been you know we don't want any socialism we don't want any socialism we can't handle any socialism and now all of a sudden it's governments bailing out all of the businesses and also we need stimulus money and also we've lost our jobs you give us money give us money that's socialism. Capitalism only works when socialism rises its ugly head once a generation to right. fix it. Yes. 
as we drive on our free freeways and you know subsidize. They're not free. You have the toll roads. That's 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 how we impose a lockdown. We just we 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 have hub level prices on the toll roads. No one can afford to move. Well, it's it's funny, yeah, that you actually mentioned that. And uh, the roads, the main highways in Japan are privatized now. So that is actually a lever that the government could could mess with if they if they declared emergency and had a an urgent need. They could shut down the the highways, those highways. What else do you think they could actually do? Yeah, so here are some of the quick things they could do. They could take over a love hotel and turn it into a hospital. <laughs> so you'd have like a swirly bath while you're getting over the virus. Um, yeah. They can appropriate, they can expropriate land. Uh, and that's actually one of the individual rights they can infringe on is they can just take your land if you refuse to offer it for hospital, you know, building or whatever. Um, they can do mass burials yeah. in an emergency declaration situation uh if you know if the i undertakers can't keep i'm up. in favor of the turning love hotels into treatment centers um if only because i i have been to love hotels and i know they sell a variety of masks on site i think the last thing i'd want to see you know, coming out of a coma is looking up and seeing the mirror above my bed <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks again for tuning into Japan by River Cruise. And thanks sincerely to everybody who's bought us a coffee, uh, particularly in this time of lockdown. Uh, it's more important than ever that we are caffeinated. And what's cool is the platform that we use uh, don't impose their fees during this month. So if you've enjoyed any of our previous podcasts and think that, think that they're worth uh, the price of a coffee, then please do buy us one. Uh, I'm now unwell, so I'm not going to be sharing my coffee with Bobby for health and safety yeah. reasons. If you'd like to uh, follow us or our guests, then Derek, please remind us of your Twitter handle. I'm DWVCD. All right. Thank you again for joining us. I've been Bobby Judo along with Ollie Horn and our guest, Derek Westman. See you guys next week.